your belief in God is the strongest support that, that you have. The deep belief in the, the, the laws that have passed on down to us. Godly laws and the proper manly laws through, through the Constitution. We can defend that. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fearless with Mark and Amber, the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. This is a show where we share our journey of what the Lord has called us to in this season of life, making documentary films, tackling the issues eroding our society and culture. Our mission is to educate, motivate, and inspire others to get involved in their communities, stand for biblical truths and values, to be light in this dark world, and know that everyone can make a difference right where we are. So, welcome to the show. Here with me, as always, is my husband, Mark. Here on the other side of my desk. That's right. As usual. <laughs> so today's show might be a tough one as we pay tribute to a titan of child protection, Dr. Judith Reisman. And as you'll recall, we've shared several pieces of our sit-down interview with her to be included in our current production, The Mind Polluters. And we learned this past Friday that Judith passed away unexpectedly, just shy of her 86th birthday that would have been on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one. Um, yeah, we got a. We had just returned from some travels. We have been still working on the mine polluters, on some epic road trips to collect interviews. <laughs> yes, and we were out west and interviewing a couple of people that we'll share with you starting on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And um, got a text message from Rhonda Miller, who you've heard from several times on this show. From Purple for Parents. Yeah. And she said, you know, we just found out. And this was just within an hour or so of people find that she had found out. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I called Rhonda and talked to her briefly. And then um, we thought, we just kind of sat and pondered it, thought about it. Call, I called a couple of people that we had dealt with yeah. um, on our on our trip and let them know. And you know, it's a <clears throat> it's a tough thing. Uh, what came to mind as I thought about it was, what is it like when a giant falls? Because mm-hmm. um, Judith was a giant. She was a she was a titan. Mm-hmm absolutely fearless and we and we joked and and laughed because you know doing working on this on this film project the mind polluters and having just gone down in late december yeah just a few months ago just a few months ago and interviewed her and the you know we laughed we cried we mm-hmm. <laughs> we talked about life and everything and you just realize a woman who has given her whole life to protecting children i mean it is a worthy cause you know the she was such an inspiration to so many and we're certainly you know we're we're going to talk about her because because we want to and we have and she left an impression on us she's she left such an impression on us there are so many more um that worked with her and knew her for so many more years than we ever did Mm mm-hmm and so we know that there are so many more stories out there, but Judith was one of those people that you didn't have to spend much time with her to be 
very impacted by her. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just remember just how how spunky she was <laughs> yeah. in everything, and yeah. and we we would talk. We were and very blunt, very direct, very, very blunt. Because <laughs> what would she say? She'd just look at you and say, "I'm 85 years old. What are they going to do to me?" Yeah, the last the last phone call. You know, because I just had a phone call conversation with her two weeks ago, yeah. and you know, and that's the thing. She says, I don't care. I don't care what they, <laughs> what they say about me. I don't, I know where I stand. I know what the truth is. Yeah. And that's, that's really what matters is when you know what the truth is and where does your truth come from? Yeah. And she, she had, she had just been through so much through her life. Mm-hmm. So much. If you haven't listened to her, hers is a five part series and, yeah. and we didn't even put, we have, we have material that we're going to share with you here today that would, that we didn't share because there was so much we sat with her. Just in her interview for over three hours. And I'm going to tell you, you'll probably need a tissue. Yeah. Because we talk about life. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did want to read uh, the announcement that uh, Mary McAllister, who you'll hear from uh, in a couple of weeks on this podcast as well. Mary McAllister uh, wrote this on the Protect Child Health Coalition, and, and she had worked with Judith on several of her big reports. And we met Mary, and she'll be part of the Mind Polluters. We met her in Nebraska, although she's in Virginia. Right. We're and, all trying to make a difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she wrote, Heaven has a new resident. It is with a heavy heart but a sense of rejoicing that I share the news that our beloved Judith Reisman has gone home to be with the Lord, just short of her 86th birthday. None of us will be surprised that she died sitting at her desk, doing what she loved, Her daughter found her this morning when she came to celebrate her birthday. No details on services yet. She just had her second COVID vaccine. So was going to be able to start traveling again. Um, I'm not going to make any comments on the COVID vaccine. And we're not, we're not jumping to any speculations that that's what she died of. No, I'm just going to let that one be it well and mary really said it to just reiterate that judith was really looking forward to continuing to travel and yeah. further the cause of protect protecting children yeah you could tell when we were with her that she really she really wanted to travel um and we were so blessed to be able to go to her and see her and see her collection there in the reisman institute because um she was not able to come to the Purple for Parents conference in Napanee, Indiana, mm-hmm. where we would have probably tried to interview her while she was here, and we would have missed out on that. Yeah. Um, another comment that I saw this morning, a man by the name of Thomas Hampson, uh, the Truth Alliance Foundation, president of the Truth Alliance Foundation, and I don't know him. But this is what he wrote. He said, Judith's death is a great loss to our cause. She was a wonderful woman, a tireless worker, a brilliant thinker, and a prolific writer. She certainly was. Yeah. Uh, I will miss her greatly. I was privileged to have worked with her on a number of projects and especially to have accompanied her to Croatia for almost two weeks a few years ago. I think the worst thing about growing old is experiencing the loss of so many we have come to love. But Judith was a believer, so I know the separation will be relatively brief. May God comfort her family, and may he inspire all of us to further the work to which she dedicated her life. 
protecting children. Mm-hmm. And and she did. You, you remember? And I think we, we said this on one of the first podcasts when we first met Judith, and we took her to dinner mm-hmm. with us over to the Cracker Barrel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I walked her in. We I held her hand, and and we just walked in together and laughed and talked. And but the first thing that she said when we sat down is she looked at our. 10 year old well was then 10 mm-hmm. no no she did she just turn 11 she was either about way. to turn 11 she was about to turn 11 either way and she looked at her and just said i'm sorry i'm sorry that i couldn't do more you could tell that the weight of her life's work was so heavy at times yeah and she really um <laughs> She really took a took a liking to Elizabeth. We, it was just the two of us plus Elizabeth, yeah. and, and the other two stayed home. It was just a, a quick overnight trip for us, and um, and we we figured out later, I think on the way home, the reason why she attached herself to Elizabeth so quickly. Um, was because Elizabeth was the same age that her daughter Jenny was when when she was attacked. Yeah. And I think and her and Judith's daughter Jenny, if if you haven't listened, go back and listen to the five part with Judith to to understand her why. Yeah. It makes it so powerful. But her daughter Jenny at the age of ten was was attacked and raped. Mm-hmm. And by another young boy. By a thirteen year old. Yeah. And that is the trigger that set Judith on this path. And um, I think she just saw Elizabeth and was drawn to her because of that connection there. And I I had a conversation with Elizabeth about that. And I said, you know why she liked you so much, don't (laughs) you? And I told her and Elizabeth just kind of stared and she said, I had no idea. Yeah. And I said, I know. (laughs) But that's why. Well, and even the impression that Judith made on Elizabeth, mm-hmm. our 11-year-old, I mean, when she found out that Judith had passed away, I mean, she just came in. We just sat and cried together. And then she went and wrote her a poem. Mm-hmm. I would read it, but it's really tough. <laughs> so um, let's listen to Judith. She's going to talk about uh, the battle to get her uh, her final report uh, submitted to the DOJ uh-huh. and everything that was going on there. And then she's going to talk about how Jerry Falwell got involved and Who's how she... the president she, of Liberty University. Who, yeah, founded. who founded Liberty University and how he uh, saved her report and saved her work mm-hmm. and why she ended up and her collection ended up at Liberty University. Yeah, well, that that is a very important, imp- very important and very interesting uh, set of events. Um, when I was doing my research, um, it was getting a lot of publicity, negative publicity, I must say, and uh, a lot of threats. And um, 
I was at the point where I had to I had to leave. I had to leave American University because they were practically threw the threw the Xerox machine out the window after me. Yeah, uh, because remember they were being threatened themselves with lawsuits. Their president was a pedophile. Their head of the department's like, oh, this is a pedophile. So it was a problematic thing, but nobody knew that at the time. We just knew, uh, we, we did know that they said, um, we will edit your report. Um, we'll edit your report for, you know, like an editor would edit and we'll send it to you and so on. Okay, but you have got to leave. You are not gonna be here anymore. So I left. Um, I had a problem when I had three congressional investigations of my work, okay. We had someone come in and search my files. We had uh, all kinds of monkey business going on within our structure uh, that were that indicated that there was there were people out there who were did not like what I was doing. Um, so when I left, uh, I had one copy of my report, not the edited report, but my report. And that was all. I, had, I didn't have another copy. And I was waiting to get the finished piece from, from the university. Well, uh, it didn't come. Um, and it didn't come, and it didn't come. And I waited, I remember how long I waited, but I, about six months, eight months for them to finish it. And for some reason, anyway, it wasn't gonna happen. So I didn't know what to do. So I had to turn it in to the Department of Justice, but I didn't have a copy. I suddenly, I, I'm waiting for all this, right? And I get letters from, the letters from my peer review that says that this is a crappy report. Now, that was weird. I mean, because they, they knew what I was doing. They knew everything I was doing. And now all of a sudden they're telling me it was a crappy report. It couldn't be. So I call up one of my peers. And I said, what is this? You said the report is no good. I mean, it was worded differently, mm -hmm. you know, a little better. And she said, well, so, uh, you know, we got your report. And it was terrible. You know, it didn't make any sense and all that. I said, well, Send it to me. What What do you mean? D they didn't send it to me. They mm. sent it to them. Mm. All right. The, oh, and that's right. And it was in all the newspapers that my peer review said, reviewers said the report was no good. Oh, flawed. Oh, terribly flawed. It was in the Washington Post, everything. I had never seen it since they so-called edited the report. So she finally sent it to me. And I'm looking at it. And the whole thing has been gutted, boulderized. Things put in, things taken out, you know, you know, absolutely horrible. And I had my original 
-hmm. And I had this piece of material. So what am I going to do? So that's when I accepted the offer, which was handed out to me, to come to to Virginia. And uh, uh, Dr. Falwell said that he would reproduce my original report as it was. No editing, just there's the report. So I said, okay. So they brought me out here. It was a small place at the time. It brought me in this big, you know, just a, like for a retail thing kind of. And anyway, so he turned over all his secretaries to me. We have 14 secretaries. Yeah. And turned over his graphics guy who did all, redid all my graphics, mm -hmm. turned, uh, turned everybody. I mean, he just turned the whole place over to me so that I could put it back together mm -hmm. properly. So we started working on it, but I mean, it's a huge report. So um, it was a couple of weeks, three, no, six weeks, six weeks. I don't know, six weeks? And um, I get a call from my daughter and she says, uh, mom, she says, uh, this gal, uh, what's her name? Pam, Pamela, whatever her name was, a horrible person, you know, called and said, you have to have your report in to, uh, tomorrow or the day after tomorrow, I remember which, or they're going to send out the report, you know, an announcement to all the newspapers, you know, that you have failed and so on and so on. I said, what are you talking about? They had it for six months or whatever, and I'm supposed to turn it in. Yes, you have to have it in. Okay, so, so I told them at the office here the situation, and those people... The, the ladies stood in, in a table twice as long as this. And they stood, because we didn't have collating machines mm. at the time. We didn't have anyway. And they ran the, my report, the one to the next to the next, and they collated, you know, and it was a report about like that. Wow. Yeah. Because we had not just the data, but we had everything. And... Um, and at the end of the day, they said, okay, show up. Because he had put me up in a little hotel. So I had my, you know, a bag. And I show up and they have this, the, the plane. And they put me in the plane with uh, Charlie. What was his last name? And um, they, fl I mean, it was like out of, uh, you know, a James Bond thing or something. So I switch me. She put me in a plane with all these. We had six copies. They were up to here on a, you know, trudgy thing. And we fly into the airport in Washington, D.C., the private airport. We land there. They have a black, you know, car um, ta -da, to pick me up me and uh, Charlie and me, and we load in my stuff and we zoom out to the, um, I thought we'd have somebody following us and shooting or something. Anyway, we, we land at, uh, put, bring me to the Justice Department and we pull in 
and he was the head of the moral majority at the time. That was not a small thing. So we go into the office, and I'm sitting there with the moral majority, head of the moral majority. Politically speaking, for Washington, that makes a difference. And so he gives his name at the desk, and oh, well, so then they whisk us upstairs. And we are met by the new head of the Department of Office of Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention because they got rid of the other one, Regnery. They put this guy in. This guy was, and he was not happy to see me, but he was very polite to Charlie, you know. Oh, yes, okay. We were there maybe two minutes presenting all of our documents. Mm -hmm. I mean, Again, we had copies for everybody, six copies. And this Pam Swain, that was her name, Pam Swain. I don't mind using it at all. And she was there, you know, an unhappy Pam. She was mm-hmm. unhappy. They were both unhappy mm-hmm. because I turned it in mm-hmm. on time. And um, so... We were whisked out, you know, there were, it wasn't a photo op. <laughs> there was no photo op. Whisked out. I went home. They, they dropped me at home, and he, he flew back here. The next day, now that was, at I'd say, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. The very next day, I get the newspaper, the Washington Post, And there's an article, big article. I have it here somewhere. Um, OJJDP rejects Reisman report as flawed. The next day, I said, wait a minute. I was the expert. Where did they go from from four o'clock in the afternoon to the morning paper? That, it, that they have reviewed the report, uh, experts have reviewed the report and have said that it was flawed and it was this and it was that. So it was all set. Mm-hmm. It was set to go, the newspaper column. So can, can you tell people how all of your research got brought here to Liberty? Oh, yeah. So, oh. well... Um, yeah, I, I, there I, I'm stuck with all these books, you know, and all these files, right? And I'm thinking they're valuable. You, you know, we shouldn't put them just in a dump. Now I did dump most. I, I had all the Playboys and the Hustlers, and I put them in black bags, and I did take them to the dump, except for a few that I needed to keep for documentation. Anyway, so uh, what am I going to do with it all? Yeah. And I was kind of get, getting kicked out of one place or another. You, you know, what are you going to do with it? So at the last minute, I contacted, I was in, in Arizona. I contacted Matt Staver, who was at the time head of the law department here, the dean of the law department. And I had seen him a couple of places. I knew his work, and I thought, I'll try. So I contacted him and he said he he said we would be honored to have your all of your archive here. I said, you don't know how much it's it's kind of big. 
And he said, no problem. Yeah. So we put it all on things, you know, and boxed it and so on and sent it all out. And um, and he, he was absolutely fantastic. Matt was, he, as the dean here, he was, he was fantastic. And so when I got here, um, it took a while, but they, they made me an offer to come down and um, to, to take a position as a research, research professor. And he would build this for me. And he did. Yeah, he built it. I said, we don't need anything more than just steel cabinet. No, we've got to have a decent archive. And so Matt took care of all of that. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty exciting. You know, Judith has so many incredible stories. The, I remember the first conversation on the phone with her, and she was telling me about when they raided her office. And she, yeah. she just briefly mentioned it in this conversation. But th this, was, this was a conspiracy. Mm -hmm. um, and she was virtually chased through her whole life because – she refused to back down and she was willing to tell the truth and expose it for what it was right and is even right. still today right and when she's when she talks about uh and I, she's mentioned earlier in other podcasts about doing work for the fbi that's she's not exaggerating no we, we have her FBI. we have tapes. her fbi training <laughs> tape we we were in the middle of working on it for her uh-huh um, her presentation at Quantico to the FBI mm -hmm. to train the FBI on this yeah. material. And we, it, it's an older tape and we were doing restoration and doing making kind of making it G rated, mm -hmm. um, because she wanted to be able to have it available for people to see without exposing them to blatant pornography. Mm -hmm. It's one thing, when you're training agents, you have to show them what it is, but for the general public and it, and, uh, and I, I, when I talked to her about it, I said, this is going to take some time because I, I can't work on this because right. I don't want to sit here and look at this porn. And me with my background, I'm, you know, right. <laughs> uh, so I'm uh, able to do that. So we can attest to the fact that she, she was at the highest levels working on this stuff. Mm -hmm. But just to finish the thought that at the very, that I, throughout at the very beginning of this episode when a giant falls um there's two things that are pretty obvious number one there's a big gaping hole in the sky where suddenly it's bright because they they were casting such a huge shadow and number two the ground shakes and that's that's what we felt and i know that's what a lot of people felt when they heard the news, woke up to find out that Judith had, had gone to be with the Lord. Mm -hmm. It's an earthquake. Mm -hmm. And, um, yes, but aren't we so relieved? Cause she didn't really fall. She's, she has risen to the mm -hmm. highest levels. <laughs> the Lord took her home. Yep. And, uh, Judith, we, we will continue your work. Um, this fire is only just beginning. Yeah. Your work will not be in vain. If I could say one more, one last thing to Judith, 
I think on behalf of all of us, I would say thank you. And we did. We did thank her. And we did thank her. Thank you, Judith. For preparing us all. For preparing us all for the battle. Your legacy will live on. So with that, we're going to let Judith uh, wrap it up here with her final thoughts. You know, um, I would think to tell parents they have to they have to look at where we are today um, as a as a war that can only be won through their their commitment to their Judeo-Christian belief system, the whole system, which includes the presidential, which I mean includes the the Constitution. I mean, in people have got to band together, not violently. I'm not talking about, but but be prepared. Be prepared, because. Uh, in my humble opinion, it will be worse before it gets better. And belief, your belief in God is the strongest support that, that you have. The deep belief in the, the, the laws that have passed on down to us. Godly laws and the proper manly laws through through the Constitution. We can defend that. But um, be prepared. I would absolutely take the children out of any kind of... Yeah, they'll socialize fine without it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, you have to be prepared. And when I say that, I mean prepared. <laughs> Look... <laughs> You've prepared us all well. Yeah, well. You have. Again, I can't say this enough. In 1985 or 84, we were organized. We had the police, the best people in the business, best people in law enforcement. We had the FBI, Behavioral Science Unit. We had the Department of Justice. We even had an academic home, in a way. They would leave us alone with that kind of backing. Except something was happening above that. Above the Quantico FBI? And so... Gotta look at whatever. Look, President Trump talks about the swamp. Let me tell you, that swamp was a lot worse than what he thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe it. You have spent decades researching this. How do you keep going and keep yourself solid? And not be affected through all of the pornography and through all... What's, what's your strength in all of this? Well, I think... Okay. 
it was my assignment. You know, God, I didn't, I didn't go through all that with Jenny and everything for no reason. So that, that, that was my assignment. And I'm honored. I'm just honored. <laughs> Thank you, Judith. You're welcome.